I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Get a theremin going. You know, it's too bad we couldn't do a spooky edition of that song. <sighs> spooky edition of the I song. I could try. I could try. <laughs> JP has a theremin. I could borrow it from him. Is that what theremins create that sound? Uh, that like wavery kind of like, uh, yeah, theremin. This is a pivotal film, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm Tom, I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. Pivotal film. This is Halloween. And we're on episode part one of 13. Third, oh, what? Spooky. It's crazy. It's yeah. spooky in here, yeah. We went all out decorating in the studio. Yeah, there's a computer monitor over here. Computer monitor over here. Another one over there. Yep. There's a piano over there. There's a bed over there. Yep. There's Lawrence Kasdan chewing through wire. Lawrence, stop. Just cut it out, buddy. He just got it. He has to keep doing it. We got a we got a spike over here. It's waiting for your head, Lawrence. So just relax. Spike TV. Spike TV. Yeah. <laughs> is that still on? No, it became something else. No, it's too bad. So because it's spooky Halloween, and I don't have any news to share today. Midnight Skies apparently a Netflix movie. I didn't realize that. Everything's a Netflix movie. Congratulations, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we could. We'll talk about all this stuff later. Anyways. Let's just go to the beer. And today, Tom, I have for us... I'm not going to pass it to you. But I'm it. I have for us from Abomination Brewing, uh, which is a subletter, or whatever they would call it, out of 12%. Uh, 12% is a conglomeration of breweries. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a brew share. I don't know if that's the correct term. It says a forbidden pumpkin. It's a 9.3%. It's got a spooky little spooky monsters on the front. Spooky pumpkins. Yeah, this is Tom, an imperial milkshake style India pale ale. Oh man, that's awesome! Brewed with pumpkin, spices, vanilla, and milk sugar. All right, Mario. That you, there's a lot of reasons why. See, if I had picked this up, I would have got it. If I had picked it up and looked at it, I would have got it because I was looking for a milkshake beer. Really? Well, because one of one of my thing felt when what I was gonna get fell through. I was like, okay, what was I gonna do? What else could I do? What were you gonna get? I was gonna go to uh, New England and get oh. some equality. Nobody had nobody tested positive for COVID over at our friends at New England, so that's good no. Idea. But they did close down for yeah. a couple of days, so just for for yesterday, for Monday, the twenty sixth. Oh, but the the thing tested. made it sound like they were. Oh no, they're reopened today. Oh, okay, everyone tested negative. <coughs> Things look good. This is Abomination Brewing. Bye-bye. 
What's that? What's that fragrance? I get the pumpkin spice, but not anything else. Mm. There's a lot of things going on in there. I hope oh, the spice is coming. It's it's definitely pumpkin and spicy. I there's also toppy. Really like this. This is good. It's a, it's a it's a dessert beer for sure. Like I feel like I should be pouring this over some ice cream, but yeah, it's got like a, t a toffee, like a like an English toffee. Um, the spice has got nutmeg. Yep. A little clove. Yep. Nutmeg and clove. I don't really taste any cinnamon. Um, pumpkin, like the pumpkin puree for sure. I don't get a lot of the pumpkin, but because maybe the hops are kind of eating it a little bit. Maybe. Pumpkin's not like a super I get, I get big kind of like, flavor. I get like a squashy flavor, though. I kind of like a... I almost feel like, like we... a butternut squash soup, almost. Maybe. That is pleasant. It's nice. It's, it, uh, it isn't as thick as no, I yeah, want expecting... it to be with from the milkshakeness yeah. of it, but it's good. It tastes, think, it tastes really good. I think if this was thick, it'd be... Like, if this had more viscosity to it, it would not be pleasant. Um, I think it has a 9.3, and with that all the hops... impressive. It is... It would be... Um, with all that other spices, it would be um, a little overpowering. Could you... Can you buy this at a 9.3%? I can't. This does not taste... No, it doesn't it, have a heaviness to it. It doesn't. I'm going to be honest with you. It feels a little bit like a 9.3%. Like I've, you know, taken four sips of this and it's already kind of like, you know, when you, you know, when you're, you're in just, just the right mood, it's just down. the yeah. beer kind of like that, starts to that blanket, the blanket, it's, it's the, the blanket's it's, coming over. It's you. just there. It's just I can feel it. It's just it's just up there, just waiting to go. You know, it's a drift down on me. So it's so it's a drifting, nice like little cotton, pillowy blanket, right, Tom? Sure. Not like an iron blanket of torture, horror, and pain. Um, no, it is not like an iron blanket of torture, horror, and pain. You know who's very familiar with that? Robert Zemeckis and Witches, because... 2020. My story begins when I was a young boy. You'll be comfy here in your mama's old room. I'd do anything for her to be here right now. Grandma was a tough lady with a big heart. And little by little, she brought me out of my sadness. Now, if you feel that you can't go on, darling, I didn't know it. But there was a dark shadow looming nearby. Witches. They're real. And they hate children. Welcome. What would you do if there were mice learning all around this hotel? I would call the exterminator. You see, girls? He would exterminate those brats. Uh, rats. We would exterminate the rats. Oh, I'm doing this one. Oh, I could do it. Um, uh, little boys in Alabama. There's witches. Bruno, whose voice is an old man by Chris Rock. No, he's not Bruno. He's the just wait. The young boy. Bruno is a the fat boy. Br oh, Bruno. Wait. Oh, could he? Br oh, hero boy. Chub right. His Chubby, last uh, name is his last uh, name is Bruno. Uh, big, big boned kid. It's weird that Chubby. there's a there there's a, 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 a the person doing playing the character's last name is Bruno, and there's also a Bruno here. That is true. So my notes are confusing to me. 
He plays Hero Boy, according to to Wikipedia. His grandma, his parents are dead. His grandmother is Grandma, and she's played by Octavia Spencer. And they live in Alabama in the late '60s. And then she sees witches, and then so they go to a hotel. And at the hotel, there are more witches and Stanley, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> and then who there's... is cashing that check? Oh man! Um, and then Kristen Chenoweth does the voice of a mouse who is in mouse. the movie also. Yeah. And then uh, Anne Hathaway is the mice. By the way, that should be described as horrific the, the creations that look like they don't actually exist. I mean, I'm really glad that the c- computer. Generated effects have not progressed past Stuart Little. Like, if you are making a mouse in in a movie, it's just going to look like Stuart Little. Like, that's it. We can't do better than Stuart Little, apparently. And Robert Zemeckis, who's supposed to be an expert at digital effects, uh, he can't do better. He can't do better at mice either. Oh, man. Welcome to Marlin is a digital effects nightmare. Um, Anne Hathaway plays the Grand High Witch uh, and... Even all of my goodwill that I have for Anne Hathaway could not uh, change the fact that this movie is fucking horrible. <laughs> oh man, this movie is so bad. What yeah. happened? <clears throat> this is a this is an interesting review to do because of the fact that, like, for one thing, we stopped describing the movie because nobody fucking cares. Well, there's nothing to describe. Yeah. Who ca- I mean there's just like all little tiny plot elements here or there, but like that's it. It should be it should be known that Nicholas Rogue a 1990 original is damn near my list. Like we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. As kind of like my precursor to horror. This is a horror episode, guys. Surprisingly, the movie that's playing on Halloween might be something Whoa. similar to that title. Um well, I mean, they'll have seen it when they downloaded the episode. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's Halloween. Um, you know, so so like this was, you know, Witches was a really prevalent part. Witches and Ernest Scared Stupid were really prevalent parts of my early childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, and that movie is legitimately scary. It's it's it, it, it could be hokey like in retrospect, but no, I think it's it's it has that Nicholas Rogue quality to it. There is no heart at all to this there's no. there's and that's i think the biggest point against it it's it is so completely flat. devoid of any sort of emotional stake yep and any sort of yeah any sort of uh, of connection which is insane when you have octavia spencer who can be a fucking charisma machine you know and she's just doing her most octavia spencer it's like her just a baseline earning her paycheck octavia spencer octavia spencer you know you could you, you, well, she listen. could be baseline and create emotion. Listen, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read something to you that you already saw, but I'm going to read it to our audience. This is these are Octavia Spencer's first words in the movie. I wrote that. I texted them to Mario. She says, mm, "My dear child, like, is there a list that like is issued to directors or screenwriters? I mean, and the list of screenwriters on this thing." Or the story by is bizarre. Yeah, Kenya Barris, Guillermo del Toro, and Robert Zemeckis. Is there a list that they get issued by, like, I don't know, the Lizard People or somebody at the Bilderberg Group or whatever? That's like, if you cast a black woman of a certain age in your movie, she has to say some of the following things, especially if it's a '60s 
in the 60s. Come on! What the hell is happening here? I mean, I know it's like a minor point, but it just this... Have we talked about lazy? Have we been talking about laziness a lot? And maybe this is something we have to look forward to, Mario. Now that there's not going to be theaters and everything is just going to go to streaming, and they're just like, "Fuck it," it just lives there forever. We don't care what it is or how good it is. It's just more product for you to check out one day. You know what I mean? If it gets one person to subscribe to HBO Max, then you know we did our our job, I suppose. Oh, this movie—it's just. It's just awful. Do we think it got people to subscribe to HBO Max? Probably somebody. Oh, no. <clears throat> um, I mean, I, I don't know. It got us. Yeah. I mean, I had HBO Max already. Um, That's but, true. Um, yeah. There, there's... I mean, it, it, this is this is a terrible review just because there's there's nothing at all positive to say about it. There's nothing redeeming in this film. The computer-generated effects are at times abysmal uh the sequence in which they're trying to get the potion the potion into the green mm-hmm. pea soup i was uh, decently had a decent buzz at that point and i literally <laughs> said what the fuck is this supposed to be because it just looks like motion blur yeah running across a screen you know like like running across shelving yeah yeah, yeah. and the stylistic choices um in terms of shot composition during that sequence often make no sense whatsoever. Uh, well, I think Alan so. Silvestri's score just disappears. It's, mm. it's not even, it's there. Couldn't tell you a goddamn thing about it, but it exists. It um, sounds like every, you know, it sounds, yeah. but it sounds like, it sounds weirdly like a 90s kind of Disney movie, like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids type score. Maybe Alan Silvestri did the score to that, but it's just very rote. This, yeah, this feels painfully... Like a direct-to-video sort of But there's also, uh, there's also like a real lack of imagination. So like the witches in Nicholas Rogue's The Witches are, you know, it's a Jim Henson collaboration. So it's, it's they're horrifying and weird and there's some stuff going on. But they also look a lot like uh, they could be a character in Dark Crystal. You know what yeah. I mean? It's one of those things. The witch stuff in this is just, they're blobby and yeah. like scarred. And she pulls a worm out of her head? Yeah. They have Glasgow smiles. Yeah. They have weird CGI tail floating things going on at times. Uh, they're not horrific in any way. Like, well, I couldn't just... imagine being a child and being disgusted by this. Like, when you it's a see little disturbing. Angelica Houston, like, remove all of our makeup and every like all their disguises and everyone do that. Like, it is gross looking, especially for a child. It's got, like, that labyrinth... Um, yeah, what's the one I'm thinking? Legend quality. Yeah. it's not super gross, but it's definitely unsettling. It's, it's presented viscerally. When Anne Hathaway opens her mouth to to hiss a bunch of shit at like the witches, her head is moving. Like her, the shape of her head is is moving. It's like amorphous. Yeah, because they didn't bother. It's not real. It's just it's just garbage. And when they're not trying to do that, it's still just an attractive Anne Hathaway with a larger mouth. A CGI large mouth. Yeah, with like a Joker scar. Yeah. Like I kept waiting for them to try to like introduce a, a Batman thing. Like in Joker. With like somehow they see Warner Brothers. Somehow they see Yeah, exactly. Somehow they also see Bruce Wayne. It just leads into the Snyder cut. Oh, Justice yeah, League. this movie stinks. I mean, it's. I told my. I watched it with me. And my daughter were planning to watch it, and then I watched it at work today because we were just doing other stuff. I didn't get a chance to watch it, and I was like, "Don't even worry about it. Like, yeah, it's not it's, worth the time. It's bad. Let's move on." <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Um. 
No, was that our shortest review ever? <laughs> I don't know. It was actually ended up being pretty long. Well, that's unfortunate. We're at like 35 minutes. Now. We talked about the beer for a while. <laughs> the next film to be talked about um, is less of a horror, but it could be more of a horror, depending on what happens Tuesday. Uh, it is Borat subsequent movie film. <laughs> Fourteen years ago, I released movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. But now I was instructed to return to Yankee Land to carry out secret mission. I go to America! What do you say? No, it's not me. People make recognize my face. I would need disguises. This man is a sex criminal? No, no sex family. I will take this to be a fat <laughs> like American man. Yeah? This is a good one. <laughs> Where is his crumb? What is problem, officer? Got somebody that's strapped to the top of your car. He's in that passenger seat, boss. Only men and bears are allowed inside car. 16 years after, no, 14 years after the release of the original Borat film. Uh, Borat has been locked in a gulag in Kazakhstan because the film has brought shame to Kazakhstan. It's diminished its view in the place of the world. Um, he is released from the gulag on the condition that he delivers a monkey, who is Kazakhstan's greatest porno star, <laughs> to Michael Pence because they realize that Donald Trump, who is close to some of the world's less savory leaders would probably be in favor of this. Borat goes to America where he is almost instantaneously recognized by everybody and so he puts on a variety of disguises um, and finds out that his monkey has eaten itself or been eaten <laughs> by his daughter who has um, jumped tutor who's jumped into the uh, box with the monkey. Um, together they kind of try to get Tutor to hit Michael Pence as um, a gift in place of the monkey. Uh, they invade the C-Pack um, and are unsuccessful. And as such, Borat decides that he'll give it to the next closest best person, Rudy Giuliani. That's not in jail. Yeah, that's not in jail. Um, and, you know, that they want to they wanna spruce up Tutor, so they try to get her some good dancing lessons, some plastic surgery. Along the way, uh, Tutor just, um, meets with a babysitter who is... I can't remember the babysitter's name. I don't I remember. Yeah. Something... Yes, yes, yes. yes. I do... Uh, well, the babysitter's a big probably like uh, Janice Jones, who explains to her that she can, you know, be her own woman and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, eventually... Tutar kind of like leaves uh, and becomes a reporter and gets herself close to Giuliani. Mm -hmm. uh, a sequence with Giuliani occurs. Um, could have been adjusting his shirt. He could have not been adjusting his shirt. I don't even shirt. care about Regardless, the shirt. Just adjusting. being alone with a, a young Eastern European reporter he is. Put his a fucking very hand on her bad ass. Bad. Yeah. High lower back. Right, sure. Sorry, low lower back. I always do that to reporters when they're like helping me. I also look like the fucking penguin. I never realized how much he walks around like goddamn a fatter Danny DeVito from Batman Returns 
And Danny DeVito was wearing a fat suit in that movie. Yeah. Oh, um, man. He uh, eventually, you know, Borat stops it um, and offers sexual favors to Giuliani himself. They leave, and Borat returns to go back to Kazakhstan to fake execution. But he discovers that early on he was injected with gypsy tears to protect himself <laughs> uh, from any diseases in America. But it turns out that was actually the SARS COVID 2, yep. um, which was to be spread throughout America. Uh, Borat and Tutar kind of blackmail the president. Um, they turn Kazakhstan into a more feminist nation, and they have a great running of One of the Americans. Of the Americans. Uh, and, kill, and, kill, and kill and kill Fauci. <laughs> She's a little racist. Um, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I actually think I enjoy this more than the original. I think it's a better kind of constructed film mm-hmm. compared to the original. Um, the original's fun in a lot of ways and is more shocking because of you know the things you see in this film are completely expected in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um. But this one feels like it, it, it has a much more, more stronger of a narrative sense. It's, it's definitely first and foremost trying to be like a feminist film, which I found kind of like a fun turn. I wasn't really expecting that. I was expecting more just kind of an mm-hmm. assault on Republicans. And this is movies just trying to make like an actual strong feminist statement. Um, it also, the sequences that really hit, hit very well, the debutante ball, uh, Fertility Dance, I think it was called, is yeah. one of the uh, best humor sequences I've seen in <laughs> recent film. Um, you know, and just for the sake of the major things he was able to do in this film, in terms of invading CPAC and it not being, you know, if you look at news stories from February, nobody knew <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, getting that close to Giuliani, those things are fundamentally pretty impressive well, he, on a political level and actually do make a shocking political statement. Well, and he apparently lived with those people for five days. Oh, the QAnon people? Yeah. Like, that's that the story that is, you know, they haven't actually located those guys yet, which I guess makes sense. Um, and this is coming secondhand from my wife who read about it because I don't give a shit. Um but yeah, so the, he actually the, the way the story goes is that he he lived for five days. He was Borat, and like that's shot over. I don't, I don't know what you know what he told them to get him to let a camera in. Um, but yeah, that's that's like a real thing. It's I mean, which is fucking incredible, <laughs> which is fucking insane. Well, the thing I love too is when he um, is singing at the was it the March for, the, for our rights? Thing? Yeah. Um, apparently. He was like they sang along, but there was black, like Black Lives Matters protesters that were going to protest it, mm-hmm. and they recognized Sasha Baron Cohen, mm. and apparently they said like, "Hey, Sasha Baron Cohen," and that's what like they he started getting like had to like yeah, leave had to the flee, stage, yeah. well, which is great because I mean, and I don't even know how you feel about. I, I suppose the the genius is also the problem in the sense maybe not the problem is not the wrong word, but like apparently he funded like half of the rally, mm. the you know so he just. Which is fine, you know yeah. what I mean. He's he's took all these people, and if you could recognize somebody in there, you're gonna fucking shame them and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't. Do you remember? 
Do you have a very clear memory of this is actually kind of a little warm. The spice is like sitting in my throat. Got it. Is like is like coat the the. It's like Dune. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Your eyes are getting so things. blue. Um, do you have priestess? Yeah. Did you do? You, what is what was your is your memory of the first one? I mean, I'm assuming you saw it in theaters. I did. Um, do you, you, not, I, not much. Me like, too. Like I think I'm going to forget a lot of this film as well. I mean, they're, they're they're kind of just experiences that you have fun with. I don't I think either of these films are anything. Even like the I think that I had the best memories of the Ali G movie because mm. that's the best like because that's an actual film. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think they're kind of fun experiences that you watch and then move on from. I think so too. And to that end, I I like this movie a lot. It was it was a nice kind of reprieve from the insanity. Yeah, we were talking off air a little bit about how I'm just not sure I'm going to make it to to, to Tuesday. Well, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what my life is going to be like by then. Um. And I think one of the reasons is that it just, and I, I was reading about this, and the idea that like I don't connect to, I don't connect to what's going on in the world through comedy, and I guess I could through satire maybe if it was done right, but I don't really find anything that's happening very funny. Um, so like I don't really watch John Oliver, and I don't watch Bill Maher, and I don't watch The Daily Show because. And I, I fucking, I find the new Saturday Night Live stuff disgusting. Um, they should all be ashamed of themselves. And I actually get the impression from watching the show that they are pretty ashamed of themselves. Like, it's just not funny anymore. And it's just, it's just... I still like Weekend Update. I like Weekend Update too. But, like, Weekend Update is, like... I like the Michael Che stuff because he he's very, like, raw about it. You know what I mean? He's I, not, like... It's been a hard week. I thought the president was going to die. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, Michael <laughs> Che's not fucking around. He's yeah. not trying to make you like him. He's trying to just be like, fuck you. Fuck you and you and fuck everybody. This sucks. Yeah. And I thought this was an interesting way to kind of present the the state of the nation without having to, like, tie it directly to some fucking news event. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and I think the idea that it's making it a feminist movie is really smart. He's so smart. And that's the thing you take away from these movies, is that he's so fucking smart. Um, that, like, even the minor things, like, you know, Bora asking that disgusting old man how much he would pay for his daughter. Or that guy when she went to get the breast implants, and he was, she was like, you know, uh, Tutar was like, would you make sex attack on me? And he's like... If your dad wasn't here. Yeah, and the thing, the thing just... I actually really love, too, is this is Maria Bakalova's film. So she's, I mean... And, like, I... and he's fine with, like, Sasha Baron Cohen's fine with stepping yeah. back and letting it be and, a film. And, and she's amazing. Even, and I don't even think that's, like, the performance is... The, the performance in the context of the movie is what it is. The performance is literally incredible when you consider the fact that there is somebody else in the universe who is willing to put themselves into the positions that Sasha Baron Cohen is willing to put himself into. And it's this, like, 24-year-old girl, or 24-year-old woman, who just, like, why? Why did you do this? I mean, he's got, like, he's got a thing, you know what I mean? And he's practiced that, and he's been doing this forever, and he, you know, can, has the money and all this other stuff. She doesn't have any of that fucking shit. I mean, I, I, I found the Giuliani thing to be, like a harrowing experience, like yeah, watching for scary. her. It's yeah. not like it's not a thing where you think that she's definitely ending 
She's definitely coming out of this safe. And you read about what happened afterwards. And afterwards, you read about, like, how they did it and how, like, they were right there. Like, they were literally, like, he was, like, literally right fucking there. That if anything happened, it was, like, you know, or if anything could have happened, which I think is probably why he burst in when he did. Like, as soon as he puts his hand down his pants, Sasha Baron Cohen is ready to go. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and I guess that's funny, but it's also just like just so sad. And I think the other, and the, I don't know how you felt about this. The saddest part for me, I, so I found this movie very funny and very sad. The saddest part for me was like those two QAnon guys. If we're to believe what we're being told, Borat just walked up to a guy in a fucking parking lot and was like, what the hell is happening? Can I come live with you? And that guy was like, sure. Those guys seem like nice guys. Yeah. And they, they feel brainwashed. Like you watch it and you think they're like actors. Right. And you're just... And I guess maybe they could be. And who knows how much they got... Who knows what they got told, how much they knew, when they knew it. Doesn't I don't know. But if you're taking it on, at face value, considering nobody at any level seems to know anything that's going on, like at least like the victims of this stuff... Um, those are just a couple of nice guys who just believe the wrong thing. And what happened in their life that made them believe those things, right? Or made them susceptible to believing those things. I don't know. And it, I, I, what is her name? Janice Jones? I tend to, th- I, I, I'm interested in the juxtaposition between what her life must be like and what those guys' lives are like. And like, you know... Uh, in America, like she's got, she's going up against uh, an inherently racist society every fucking day, but something fucked up happened to those guys that they're willing to believe that Hillary Clinton drinks children the blood of children. You know what I mean? And that stuff's like I, I don't I have trouble finding that stuff funny. And now maybe if Tuesday goes the right way, I will in, in like a year from now knock on all the fucking wood. I'll I'll be able to look back on this and find it like more amusing. I'll be able to look back on this and watch it like I watched the first Borat movie, which was just kind of like that was hilarious in the moment, but like post that I was kind of like I like you, like it doesn't really yeah. resonate, you know what I mean? I don't care. Um maybe I'll be able to watch it that way, but like right now it was it's it was it was funny and kind of like a a breath of fresh air in a way, but also like when you think about it it's just like that sucks. Like this this t- this time we live in Mario really fucking sucks. <sighs> it does, but the film was successful. It's definitely worth a watch. It's 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 worth a chuckle. You got some Tom Hanks. You got a good Tom Hanks thing there, and some of those like that debutante ball thing is hilarious, wild. Like you're so uncomfortable knowing what's coming, and as it happens, you just oh, love it's so every good. Every bit of it. It's so good. What? Just uh, somebody did not accept my opinion of the beer. Oh, and even the even like the the incest thing is uh, that's a fucking I, scream, man. I mean that guy that guy sucks ass and yeah. should be put to death. But like, um, you know, but yeah, that just, whole situation and, and that is, just is just fucking great. Or like because how, you know that Baker so passively is just like you know. I forgot what it was with the with the Jewish comment, but like yeah, just yeah. so passively writes that down, smite with all the smiley faces is insane. I want to just address one more thing, Mario, and this is for our Republican listeners, if there are any. 
stop I listening. I can't imagine that there are. The talking point here, Mario, that like he's defaming Jewish people, like Holocaust survivors, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Was oh, that an actual point? That's yeah. Oh, they're like, well, he's making fun of a Holocaust survivor. I was like, no, he's making fun of you, you piece of shit. Oh, well, yeah. Like, that's that what scene, he's doing. The entire scene's, like, full of, like, heart. Like, they give him soup. Yeah. And oh, he's, like, he's like, they oh. They got told afterwards that, like, it was what the film was. And they were just like, yeah, she was, the, the woman said, yeah, use it, you know? Of course. There's no way Sasha Baron Cohen didn't find those women afterwards and either donate some money to something have like a meal with them and like connect with them and also, like all this should other be stuff. Noted, Sasha Baron Cohen is Jewish. Jewish, right? <laughs> you know, um, and he doesn't. T- it's not like a. It's not like a thing. He just kind of is. You know what I mean? Or that he like relates to, or that he was brought up in. Like he's very. He's like, like very Isla attached. Fisher became Jewish. Yeah, she, he's very attached to his 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 faith and stuff yeah. like that. He's making fun of you, Republican people, who like believe maybe not necessarily like the holocaust didn't happen but that the earth is flat or that hillary clinton drinks like it's all related and you're just too fucking dumb to see it or even something has slight has you know there was some election interference for russia against trump let's 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 or you know that everyone's gonna get taxed and not just yeah, it's Lovely. it's I, I don't I don't know. Let's move on to something funner. Let's move on to a movie that I don't know. I don't think you can call my number thirteen political. Do you want to? Maybe it was a Jimmy Carter mask and not a. Do you want to start? Not like, a James T. Kirk mask. All right, so but that's it. We're done with Borat. You think? I think we're done with Borat. Borat was good. I mean, uh, again, I wish I wasn't so down, like culturally, but. Um, Borat scratches, Borat scratches some itches. So, Indeed. all right, we'll be right back with your number 13. If you've been listening to us since July of 2017, which is when we started this podcast, I think. It's right? amazing. No, 2018. 2018, yeah. whatever. Tomato, tomato. Um... <laughs> The months don't work like that, Mario. They're different. <laughs> or the years don't work like that. You would know that Pivotal for me has been a pretty big collection of horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, horror has been a part of my life since day one. Not day one. I came out of the womb screaming. <laughs> Just, I was covered. I, was co- I, I came out. <laughs> I was a C-section baby. So I was like cut out of my mother. So that I'm is like actual horror. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my mom has, was always a big horror fan mm-hmm. and introduced me to the varieties of horror. Um, and for the first five years of my life, Halloween was always a super big deal. It was movies like Ernest Scared Stupid, which actually had just come out in 1991, and Lady in White, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Mm. Um, the thing I always loved was The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I'd have to watch that oh, yeah. every year. Well... In October of 1992, at six years old, my mother decided I was ready. Ready to watch her favorite horror film at the time. It was later replaced by What Lies Beneath. 
Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis, yeah. You get, you, get, you, get, you get one. I love What Lies Beneath. What Lies Beneath, I've talked about this in the past. I, I enjoy What Lies Beneath quite a bit. Yeah. It's a good little Hitchcock throwback. Um, but she decided she was ready for me to see the beginning of Slasher, the, the culmination, not the beginning of Slasher, honestly, like Peeping Tom and all that pre-game. Ooh, I like, I like Peeping Tom, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Regardless, the movie that was the... And Bob Clark's Black Christmas also predates it. One, a bunch of horror films, slasher movies predate horror, it. Yeah, yeah. Slashers. But this was a film that like she, she loved and adored. And at six years old, uh, if we have any mothers listening to this podcast, they probably gasped and go, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, she allowed me to watch this one. And I was entranced. I wasn't scared at all. Nothing about it was scary. Mm-hmm. But everything about it just worked. It was tight. Mm. You know me and tight films. I love them. It's like a tight film. 88 or so minutes of this film. Minus credits worked. The cinematography, which I didn't even understand at that age, was different. But like the fact that I was, we start by following somebody's point of view mm. all the way through until you find and through a murder, until you find out it's like a little kid. A kid who was around my age? Wearing a clown costume? I wouldn't want to commit murder. Michael! When I was six, I did not want to kill anybody. That's... I thought a serial killer was somebody who legitimately stabbed serial. It's rough. Because this was around the time that Jeffrey Dahmer got caught. Mm. And so I, I thought, like, it was... I thought Jeffrey Dahmer had, like, done a bunch of vandalism in stores. And I thought, like, the outcry was a bit extreme. <laughs> um... You know, and but then the music and and uh, the leaves and everything—it feels like it feels cold, and I just was wrapped in it. Mm-hmm. And immediately after watching the first one, we watched the second one, and that worked for me too. Although I noticed like inconsistencies too. It was the first time when, you know, in the ending, when when the villain falls to the ground, the ground is covered in dirt and grass and there's a tree in the corner and then in the second one you see it again the grass is all green what's going on that's not the same and so even though i saw the intricacies of 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 film and technique i also saw like errors and but then after this i just became obsessed with this series i had to watch it over and over and over again i'd watched i've watched this movie 60 70 times Mm. probably yep Sounds right. One fourth of the portrait lady on fire scale, um, <laughs> and I I had to see the sequels after you know I watched all four movies at that time. I had to I I have seen every single film since that except for the Halloween two Rob Zombie film in theaters, mm. because what I'm talking about is of course John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween on Halloween. Hey, we kind of planned that out. No, we didn't. I mean, it was it was thirteen on my list, but we did kind of like spread a couple episodes sure, sure. around to make it so this happened. <laughs> Halloween night, a small American town, fifteen years ago. <laughs> Thank you. 
Michael? Halloween. 1963, six-year-old Michael Audrey Myers. I always love the fact that his middle name's Audrey. I think that's only the TV edition that you hear the middle name Audrey. Yeah, what's the TV thing about? There's a show? No, so the TV edition was made prior to Halloween 2 coming out. So it adds a few scenes. There's a scene that's added where after he escapes, the door closes, and Mm -hmm. it's scratched into the wall sister because Laurie Strode being the sister of Michael Myers plays a pretty pivotal role in Halloween 2, Mm -hmm. which is then completely forgotten for Halloween 2018. Um, Six-year-old Michael Audrey Myers is tired of his sister Judith's snoring and her goddamn thoughts. <laughs> Why? But, I don't know. She's tired of him, her sleeping around, I guess, and stabs her to death while she's topless. Yep. Then she go, he goes outside, and his parents are like, Michael, come on, he can't. Oh, he liked her more than you. Yeah. And so they ship him off to Smith's Grove Sanitarium, where he sits silently looking out a window for 15 years, doing jack shit, except planning and learning how to drive from somebody. Learning how to do everything. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to kill people already. He's pretty good at that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's very efficient at killing his sister. His sister did not try to stop a six-year-old boy from killing him either. But She was very much more concerned with covering her chest than she was stopping his knife blows. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he learns how to drive while sitting there, somehow. And uh, October 30th, 1978, he scares Nancy Stevens. Slap in the window, steals the car, station wagon, that Woody, and drives off into the night to go back to Haddonfield, Illinois, mm. also known as Southern California. I was going to say, I love the scene when Loomis calls that guy from the payphone. And and it's, it's like, the, I love the desert. Illinois desert. Yeah. The it's great, great <laughs> Illinois desert. And in later scenes, <laughs> the great skyline of Southern California and all the fucking palm trees. Yeah, it's great. Um... But, you know, at least they filmed this, I believe, in summer. Has shown by all the leaves still being on trees. But at least they brought in leaves to throw on the ground. Uh-huh. Good job, scouting location. You, you made this for $300,000. I was going to say, yeah, You yeah. get some, you know, so you get some leeway. You know, but my, on the way back, Michael kills a truck driver to steal some overalls. And then he goes into a hardware store and steals some rope. And not some knives. And a whited-out James T. Kirk mask. Yeah, I don't know why the hardware store has the mask. I mean, it's just like a simple Halloween mask. Just like it's a probably general made, store? It's probably made by the Silver Shamrock Company. Zero days to Halloween. Halloween. And on Halloween, he starts stalking these three teenagers. Lori Strode, Annie Brackett, and Linda Vanderklok. Still one of my favorite names. Yeah. Um... They're going to go off babysitting on Halloween. Well, at least Danny and, and, and Lori are. They're going to babysit one of the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah. And Paul Rudd slash Anthony Michael Hall. Sorry, Brian Andrews, you kind of just disagree. Well, you have a Wikipedia page, but I'm not going to look at it. You probably don't matter. Um, you're, not, you're not coming back for Halloween kills. Kyle Richards is. <laughs> and Michael stalks him. He waits for Annie to spill some popcorn butter on herself. He strangles a German shepherd. He also eats some other dogs. 
He mm. eats dogs a lot. Michael Myers likes likes dogs. He ate the dog? Not the German Shepherd, but he ate a dog earlier that's in the, the Myers house. Oh. That's abandoned. He ate it? Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Come that's on. Right. I forgot. No, I thought it was a skunk. Was it a dog or was it a skunk? Oh, I thought they said it was a skunk. a skunk. You're right. Maybe it is a skunk. It used to be a skunk or something like that. Maybe. He eats a dog in another movie. Hmm. He just likes eating mammals that aren't typically eaten by people. I guess. He would he never, smell pretty bad. He never eats people. He doesn't seem to, no. Yeah, I'm sure Rob Zombie thought about it. Um, you know, about does, eating people? He does some stalking around some shrubbery. He does some stalking around some, some laundry. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he kills Annie. By stabbing her through the neck, rethink. Never really kind of see it. it. Might slit her throat. Yep. And then he kills Linda, Bob. At least he waits after they have sex, and he puts on. I love the one thing I love about this is it's the one time where Michael Myers gets to like have fun because he puts on the Bob costume mm-hmm. and the glasses. Yeah. It's Always great. love that. And then he creates a house of horrors to haunt final girl Lori because she's the only one not trying to bang anybody. <laughs> um. And, uh, you know, he chases her around, stabs her, slashes her a bit. She falls, but she escapes him. Uh, eventually, you know, this entire time, Donald Pleasance, Dr. Sam Loomis, you know, broken up with the sister from Psycho years earlier. Mm-hmm. The guy pretends the same person. <laughs> Closed his hardware store down, became a psychiatrist. It's fine. Shoots him. He falls out a window. Lori asks if it was the boogeyman. Donald Pleasant says, I'm Ernest Blofeld, I don't know. <laughs> and he says it was. And he sees he's gone. And Lori starts crying. And that's the end of Halloween. Uh, yeah, this... I talk about... Was it, well, how many weeks ago did I talk about Beauty and the Beast? What episode was that? A couple weeks ago? I don't fucking know, yeah. man. Yeah, At some um... point... Guys, time that means nothing to us right now with the election and everything. Well, especially with the fact that we've, like you said before, we've broken up these episodes. So it used to be like we could track, like, that was last week yeah. or this was this week. I have no idea what. And I've also episodes. changed my episodes, my list around a bit. Um, whereas Beauty and the Beast is the film that, like, makes me, like, get into film. Halloween is the movie that makes me love movies. Oh. Like, makes me obsessed with movies. Makes me. Obsessed with horror. After this, I'd have to watch. I'd have to wait for several years, but you know, I'd go through the Jason films. I would. Uh, moon, the moon is out, and like up over the highway, chasing us. You know the, the Freddy Krueger movies. Uh, it leads to the Critter movies and the Ghoulies movies and Gremlins and all that. All that would come Ooh. after that. I would just have to consume everything horror because of this. I'd, what is it about the horror that that has is gets under your skin? I mean, you can't track, I guess, it doesn't the, get under what, my the six-year-oldness. Nothing under skin, like, in terms just, of, like, bothering you, but, like, why is it, is, it's, like, become it's, a part of you? What is it about the horror? There's something, it's not the horror, it's, it's, I like the genre because I'm always satisfied by the tone. It follows, a lot of people will argue and say this, and they have good claims to say this, but slasher is predictable. Mm-hmm. It's, it is follows the same beats most times and most horror films follow that similar beat and i find that reassuring it's it's my popcorn film Mm -hmm. Uh, it's always going to follow the same beat 
It's always going to do the same things. It's always going to end up in the same place. Sometimes it's going to surprise me. Sometimes it's going to do things new and inventive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reason I like love It Follows is it follows, even though it follows a lot of the same beats, does it in a different thematic way um, and, a, and a different kind of pr- presentation way. Uh, but the archetype of the slasher starts mm-hmm. here uh, for me. Like Even things like Texas Chainsaw have these weird lulls, like the dinner scene and all that, where it kind of like just quiets down for a bit. Or it has like this this weird griminess to it. Especially well, like early slasher has this griminess to it and this kind of inconsistent tone. This is all rising action, climax, no denouement, nothing. And there's nothing about this that like really ever slows down, and especially based built off the back of Dean um, Cundy's cinematography and John Carpenter's score. Like, even when the movie stops for a bit to breathe, Uh it's still something is being done to push it forward, to drive it up and up and up. Mm -hmm. And so it's this constant building thing. And it it creates the fundamental blocks where films since then have so copied that tone and that style. But it doesn't change the fact that I'll consume the next thing that does that just because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy, I know what I'm getting, I know what I'm expecting, but I just want more of it. Um, just because it's it's something I could turn myself off to but and relax to. It, I find it relaxing. Hmm. Um, interesting. How do you? I suppose it's interesting because the dinner scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, interesting for a couple of reasons, but the dinner scene in Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is like so fucking crazy. Like, it's so is it tonally different? It is than everything else going on that it feels like this weird breath away from the film. So I'm, I'm just like Toe Hooper was kind of like famous for that. Like Poltergeist has those moments where things. I mean, say what you will about how much Steven Spielberg had influence in that, but like, there's so many like breaths that are kind of like different than everything else driving around it. Like, for me, Halloween kind of feels like this thing that's building in a consistent. Well, way. and I think if you, if you track the nature of like your horror films on this podcast, it kind of they fit into the uh, Halloween mold more than they fit into the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mode. You yeah. know what I mean? They're they're they are heavily plotted. They move from one thing to the next thing. They're all vaguely propulsive. Um, like where I am not a horror person, or They're at least all... I'm not a horror person in that general in that same regard. Like the propulsion of some of them. So and every single they one lean of them more towards the action and thriller right. than so they that's... do towards. So I go back to something general like horror. Green Room, like which we did. So we're at episode thirteen. We did Green Room like eighty two episodes. Yeah. eighty two episodes ago. Um, it has to do the drug scene. It has to find another level because it's one of the... It's a Halloween-type movie. You know what I mean? There has to be another thing, another pl- another location, another way to drive this plot forward because it's not like a David Mamet play. You know what I mean? That's not what they're going for. Do you see David Mamet's green room? No. That'd be, I mean, that would be awesome. It would just be, just be people screaming fuck at each other. Like for an hour and a half. I mean, it'd be great. I mean, I, I it'd can, be like I can, shooting. I can imagine Patrick Stewart, though, they'd be shooting the whole time. 
I can imagine Patrick Stewart being on the other side of whatever door. Like, they would see it on the stage and there would be a wall. And he would just be like, fucking blah, 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 fuck. <laughs> and then Anton Yelkin would be on the other side. Um, so you're, th- it's, it's, it's interesting to think about. And it's interesting to, that's one of the, the cool things about getting here is that we get to see the genesis of, of all of those choices that get made afterwards. The Phil Collins one? Or yeah. the... Uh, I love Jesus. No, well, the Peter Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. Um, Peter how, Frampton was the only name that popped in my head. How do you square? Not square. What is your opinion on? So you clearly like this better than Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. because those aren't on your list at all, and this one is here. Do you see those as as contempt? I mean, obviously, they're contemporaries of this from a from a years perspective. But are they doing the same thing? I See, for me, I'd say Friday the 13th is incredibly similar to Halloween um, in its tonality, in its tone, in how it does rising action. It just does... Sean S. Cunningham was just not as strong of a filmmaker. It just has um, this... It has this... It doesn't take those breaths that you mentioned in Texas yeah, Chainsaw just, Massacre, but it does ebb really yeah. hard. When yeah, it ebbs, absolutely. you're just like, well, there's nothing happening here. And they... Uh, Henry Mancini, Mancini score is that his name? Henry Henry Mancini? Mancini. Yeah, it's 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 a complex score, but it's also not very interesting. It's just doing the same number beats over and over again. It's not a very good looking film. Mm-hmm. It's a film that, and it's a film that like when it slows down, it slows. It the slows fuck the fuck down. Yeah. It doesn't have it doesn't have the strength of performances that you know Donald Pleasance and. Um, Charles, like, anytime this movie needs to slow down, it's got Donald Pleasance and Charles Cyphers right there to but even, pick it back up. And even, even, like, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's fucking great in this movie. Yeah. And I haven't seen this movie in a long time because we, we can get to it. I want to ask you more questions first. Um, she's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and she has no right to be fantastic because she's a teenager. I think she's 17 when she does this film. Um, but she's. Or 19 when she, she does, does everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the point where I think even like PJ Souls and um, well, I like I like Nancy Kyle's a lot. Nancy Kyle's is fucking great. Yeah, she's really solid at being comedic relief. PJ yeah. Souls was, but she doesn't. She does a good job of sucking ass. Give me a beer. Yeah, where's my beer? It's like he hasn't moved in a minute and a half. Like stop worrying about your beer. Where's my beer? And I like. I also you know. uh Oh, Michael's out. The PJ Souls. Police is on it. Is there such is there such a group? Probably. BJ Souls Police. Um, but it's interesting because I like like Friday the Thirteenth. I I had a like a much more intense response to Friday the Thirteenth than I did Halloween. Hmm. Oh, really quickly to your yeah, one yeah, point, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street is just a completely different. Movie. It's a different movie, right? Like it it obscures into surreal, and I just didn't. <sighs> Like, especially that entire ending where Wes Craven... Did he write the screenplay? I had to write the screenplay, I don't I remember, but... For that. Um, that. That entire ending, it just implodes as a fucking film. Well, so here's the thing, and I think this is really... Uh, this is where I think this conversation is important, is that there's a lot of different kinds of horror. Horror is a very broad genre. Mm-hmm. And I think people try tend to lump horror... Everything that seems horror-y... Horror-y alien is just a slasher in space, and it's like no, it's no, a different it's not. Thing. I mean, it also sucks ass, but like that's 
That's a different conversation. Um, that we've already had. That we've already we've had many, 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 many times. Not just on this podcast, like just between us. Um, chicken, many chicken wings. Many chicken wings. I think aliens. Chicken sucks. runs a horror. Um, yeah. And but contained within those, contained within horror, there's all the a uh, very broad or very. So contained within a very broad genre. Um, distinction. There's all these very narrow, like, versions of of of. I don't know. Not the same thing. But they are, they're meant to elicit the same kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So I don't think for the all the differences between Nightmare on Elm Street and and Halloween, like for, as a movie, they're designed or Videodrome or Audition or you know. Um, uh, I don't know about Videodrome in the same but it's kind, But it kind of is. Do you know what I mean? It kind of is. It, not the same... Maybe not the same bucket. Or even like The Fly. You know what I mean? They all have, they all have the fly, elements yeah. of like yeah. the horror thing happening. You can all... They've all been called a horror movie at one time or another. Yeah. And then there's the slasher stuff and there's all the other stuff. But I think if... I think to really appreciate this stuff in real time, you have to be aware of their differences because which i think was my problem with it was that like i this movie's not scary no not, not at all at all it's and when you're scary being at all to me i w- the way that i so you know people that listen to this know jp one of the things that i think is funny about jp is that like he'll watch a movie that is supposed to be a horror movie and i'll be like that wasn't scary you know what i mean and I'll be like, well, none of these movies are ever scary. I don't find these movies scary. The scariest movie I've seen of this type of thing was Friday the 13th. And it, it's not scary until the last thing. You know what I mean? Where the thing comes out of the water and like... Because I didn't see that shit fucking coming. Yeah. I think the problem that I've always had with Halloween is that like, you know what's going to happen. You don't specifically know how it's going to happen or, you know, how high up he's going to hang Bob when he's... Well, you know, right after he's had sex and drank like four Budweisers on the way from the from the living room to having sex, he stops to get a can of nuts. He's like, "Oh, you know what I could use? This sex could use some more nuts." I mean, listen, man, he's got to replace some electrolytes. <laughs> I suppose so. Got um, the salt in it. You know what's going to happen, and you just you. I don't get off on the waiting for it to happen. I don't know if you do. Do you kind of... Is there a, is there a sense of... A palpable sense of anticipation waiting for... Like when, when, when Annie went out the window. You know what I mean? When her ass is just like sticking out the window. Were you just like... she's get, were, you, were you thinking she's getting it in the laundry room? No. Right. It feels like, it, it feels like a false scare. See, and, and I, Even as a kid, I kind of like knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and I think that's part of the, my problem with it is that I was always just like, it doesn't matter if she gets it here or somewhere else. And it, it almost seems like weird when she gets it in the car and then he just casually carries her back. I'm like, what happened to Halloween? There's a million houses in this town in Illinois. There should be 50 million kids out trick-or-treating. Well, they've already done their trick-or-treating. Why are they trick-or-treating in daylight, in broad daylight? Because Michael Myers is out. They just knew it was coming. But they don't know that. Because he very specifically said, don't tell anybody or they'll see him on every street corner. Which is not like a criticism of film. This film is so primal. Which is one of the things I took away from it watching it this most recent time. Is that this film seems elemental. Which I think is great. And I love getting to the roots of these things. Um, And I love getting to the roots of these things 
um, like through this podcast because I'm never going to pick hollow. I'm never going to say, you know what I want to watch like Halloween. And because, because we're watching it for this podcast, I'm forced to think about it as I watch it because I've already fucking seen Halloween like a bunch of times, even yeah. though I don't really like it. Um, or I don't respond to it because I do kind of like it. Um, thinking of it from trying to imagine of it. I don't know how you do this. I always try to imagine what, like how you're going to view it. You know what I mean? Like, what is Mario going to talk about when, like, he talks about Halloween? And I kind of know because it's it's an elemental movie to you. Conversations right. before as well. But the movie feels so eternal. You know what I mean? It almost feels like it could have been made whenever. I almost think this movie could be made now. And I feel like it has been made now. I feel like there's lots of things, aspects of Halloween that work better than... It follows, or work on the not even if not yeah. if not it better work on the same level as it follows. Thirty years before, with way less money, um, you know, it's just it it has become kind of part of the DNA of of film culture, which is which is you can feel it when you watch it. Exactly, and what I also really appreciate about something like Halloween is it's so pared down, and it's so elemental like i said it's it's kind of has that kind of like security to it because you know what to expect that then you can watch other films of its ilk that add something else to it Mm. um or or attempt to kind of expand upon it and have a a renewed kind of appreciation for those movies yep uh the best example i can think of is is the original Candyman. Mm. um you know the original Candyman's trying to do things in regards to discussions of you know the cabrini green housing project um race relations in general um you know same aspect of uh amazing score that drives everything and well, Candyman. really yeah. solid direction um why am i forgetting the director of the original Candyman right now um it's it's an actual director oh, bernard rose um you know you could watch something like that, which is following the same DNA, as it were, mm-hmm. of Halloween, but it's doing something else, and it's adding some new layer to it. Um, and the same thing with like something like It Follows. It Follows is, you know, I, I, I still say It Follows is like the best horror I've seen, just because it feels like it's very much understanding all that DNA and just operating. For, for a person who's, who's obsessed with that kind of genre... Yep operating in all the senses of like what can i do to refine this in the best possible way to like punctuate that kind of elemental feeling that might drive through and it's not necessarily a scary feeling it's an anticipation it is like horror is an adrenaline thing for me less so because i'm scared of what's happening but more so because i'm always being driven forward it's the adrenaline you get when running that last mile of a race mm-hmm. because you know the end's coming and you're never going to stop. You just push through it. Yeah. There's nothing scary about it. There's nothing, you know, to, to look out for, but it's just because it's nonstop. It's a train that is off the rails and is just going to keep on going and going and going. Well, as a loser, that's how I feel about reading books. Like if I get a good book, no, it's, I, just, I agree. it's just kind of one of these things where, you just I, you don't even read the last fifty pages because you're just like, huh, huh, um, and then this happens and what? Well, and look at what we, re- we respond heavily to horror literature, and horror yeah. literature is most fundamentally kind of following that same sort of like look at revival, you know, revival yeah. is following that DNA of just like 
constant fucking motion. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, like, Mr. Mercedes, following that yeah. constant motion. And here's like a really weird thing, and I don't. I, I, I'm I'm interested in taking like advice. Nobody fucking listens to this podcast, and nobody communicates with us, so who gives a shit? But if anybody knows anything, and if you know anything, one of the things I'm really interested in is I'm kind of interested in this idea of like the domestic horror. Like, the domestic horror novel, the domestic horror film. Because one of the things that i kind of been pushing back... So like I was, Cold Creek Manor? Not Cold Creek Manor. I was reading the dark... <laughs> no, just, just one I was reading before. the dark half. Because I was like, oh, I want a cool... I just want to chill out. I've been reading all this shit for school. And I've just been thinking so hard about books. And I was like, I just want to chill out with like a, 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 a visceral kind of... Like a, you know, a Stephen King book. I want to hang out. But there's Stephen King early on... Uh, and I'm going to say early on in the sense that, like, there's a break. The dark half 80s or 90s? It's late. It's 89. Yeah. So that's still in his weirdo kind of... Coming off drugs. Coming off drugs where everything is, like, way too explained. And you get, like, four pages of, like, a character who's going to die within the next second. So I guess you can just feel that they're, they're death. But it, it hinges on, like, the supernatural. You know what I mean? Mm. In the sense that, like, in the dark half... There's literally a. They buried a guy. They buried an idea, and the idea of that guy literally dug himself out of the ground and is now fucking killing people, to the point where like the guy whose idea the you know the pseudonym like he creates a pseudonym for himself. He's a writer. And he creates a pseudonym and he writes under that pseudonym like a Bachman. It's it's actually the Bachman kind of book where he addresses like the Bachman thing where like Bachman takes over. So this guy Bachman, takes over. Bachman. No, the thing I love about that is Bachman would not be a killer. Bachman would get out right. there and just probably smoke a shit so, ton of cigarettes and yeah. eat some pie. So this guy's... This the guy's, guy who wrote Thinner would not be murdering anybody. No. He doesn't have... He, he's not... He doesn't have, like, the wherewithal or the desire to... Be, he may think about it and then he would get up to do it and be like... He'd be like a... Di- he'd be a diner cook that would talk about a war he didn't fight in. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. It's really fucking good. Um... But I don't want, like, I don't want this. I want to be, I want to feel that kind of visceral sensation that comes from horror. But I don't want to have to go through all, like, the bells and whistles of, like, setup and plot and then, like, believability. So my one of the things that I kind of get into, one of the problems I always run into with Halloween is that, like, as soon as he, getting stabbed in the neck with a knitting needle. You can survive that. Maybe. Well, it's just like, it's very... Sure. It's a really quick... I'll, and I'm willing to kind of like... And the eye poke. I'm willing to accept that. The the second... The wire hanger in the eye is not... The wire hanger with the eye, no. But I feel like after the neck thing, you, he'd be like, getting shot, unless he didn't get shot, and falling out the window, he's dead. And I understand what he's doing. I don't... He's not setting up a sequel. I understand that it's just like, it's attaching itself evil, to... Yeah. yeah. But it makes me feel like what I just watched didn't matter. And so, like, there's no tension. There's no feeling of, like, what's going to happen. Because, like, it all kind of dissipates in this kind of really bitter way. Because who gives a shit? He's just going to get up and walk away from everything. And he's either going to kill everybody or he's going to go away. Like, where else is there to go here? Um, Not that when I watched it, I was, like, looking for a sequel. Although when when I first saw it, I knew that there were multiple sequels of it. But I've been kind of just, like aching for the feelings you get when you watch a horror movie read a horror novel um but without the sense that this is all so temporary 
You know what I mean? Like, does that stuff exist? Does that stuff exist in the world? It's one of the reasons that like, I don't... In like, films, typically not. Because horror films, I think, typically operate on this, like, funhouse roller coaster ride that once it's done, you can ride it again, but you know what to expect. Right. And I think that's where, like, one of the things that us gets in trouble with is that, like, there's no ending. Yeah. You know, and so even, like, though it obviously ends, it doesn't... It doesn't end. Like, all that stuff was real. I think it's kind of the... Well, that's, I guess, to the credit of something... Uh, Jordan Peele, the credit of something like Get Out, where it presents itself as horror. Like, it kind of builds on that. has that kind of, like, bombastic climax. But it ends satisfactorily in just a sense of a victory sort of thing. And it ends conclusively. Right. I get... And, and the non-conclusive stuff, I think, is chalked up to a real emotional component that's in that movie that's not in a lot of other horror movies where you get the impression that these people that uh, that you that purchased the services of Bradley Whitford um, are they're not villains they're like the two fucking guys in Borat yeah you know what I mean they are uh, mis they are they are misguided in their thinking um but they're not necessarily they're not necessarily villains, and maybe that's another thing that I, I've always found kind of missing in Halloween is that emotional component, which I think is, which is yeah not there. Which I think is interesting because I think in a lot of the other movies that you have on your list, that kind of deviation that you talked about, you know what I mean, where people add to it, like Halloween becomes a foundational text. You know what I mean? It's like almost like a biblical text, where you just kind of start pushing stuff into it and interpreting it in something way and like the feeling that one person gets is going to be a different feeling than somebody else gets and how do if you're inclined to be a filmmaker how do you translate that feeling because that feeling is not going to be in remaking halloween although maybe if you're rob zombie it is like that feeling is going to be gordon green but david gordon green can do anything david gordon green is just like somebody offered it to him he probably like picked his head up from a pile of drool one morning and i'm this is no qualification david bride's like hey look what i wrote do this. Do you want to do this? And he's like, I'll do fucking anything. I will I will make George Washington. I will make Prince Pineapple Express. I will make whatever the fuck you want to make. I will make it. I don't fucking care. Um, which we love him for. We love David Gordon Green for that. Um, but I think so on all the other movies that like you have on your list, not they all not all no, but like some of the a lot of the horror movies. Yeah, I mean I think this is most fundamentally taught. I think this in terms of its stakes and in terms of what it's doing is most fundamentally tied to the guest. I think it's tied to, but I think I also think it's tied to green room. Yeah, I think it's tied to it's tied to the guest for sure. Like I mean, that's the like guest is just an action remake, and it's it. so low. The guest is presented as so low budget, and I don't even know if it needed to be that low budget, but it's presented as so low budget. I always have to do that when you mention the guest. Mario, there was a period a couple days ago where I was sitting on the toilet and I was looking at my phone and I was like, I looked up that up to see if there was a gift for it. And I just stared at Dan Stevens throwing grenades <laughs> into a diner for like 10 minutes to the point where like somebody knocked on the door was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I was just like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in not like a great place um, emotionally. But it's hilarious. Yeah, oh, it's fucking great. But you can, but like, it's it's there. There's there's a everybody that made a horror movie that's on your list saw Halloween and they felt something. 
And it's to- it's totally there and it follows. I mean, it follows as like a Halloween. It fucking loves Halloween. Yeah. I think one of the things of it, I mean, the the very first fucking scene of it follows is an homage to Halloween. It's here's a street here's where Halloween take where Halloween was I'm going to show you this side of the street. This is like I'm going to show you all the sides of the street. You know what I mean? And it's going to work on both sides. It's going to be this whole thing. Um, it's a perfect homage to like the feeling that ho- that you get from Halloween. And even like the girl running out of the house in her underwear and then running back into the fucking house is like a Halloween thing. You know what I mean? Like the underwear comes outside for a second. Um it's 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 fascinating in a way and i wish i got more i wish i got more out of it like viscerally from halloween than i do because i get it but i've never gotten it i i i kind of i've always felt bad about it well the thing the thing i think you like are basically just saying what pauline kale thought about it Ooh, pauline think? kale is just basically like it seems like Carpenter basically only watched movies and because it just feels like this is all Hitchcock and De Palma and all that. And she says, like, um, what is it? Uh, when a horror film is stripped of everything but dumb scariness, when it isn't a shame to revive the stalest device of the genre, it satisfies part of the audience in a more basic, childish way than sophisticated horror pictures do. Hmm. Which is funny because in Roger Ebert's review, he talks about, like, how the framing of the shots is so innovative. Um I mean, is that a thing that you've... No- I mean, have you dug into Halloween? Like, are you, like, one of those people that, like... Or you just watch it, like, for the, you well, know, well, the I, stuff you've already talked about? No, I, I read a lot about the history of it and whatnot and, and kind of, like, the production of it, but I never really dug that much into that side of it. Like, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with, like, the HalloweenMovies.com website as a kid, but just because I was waiting for production updates and stuff on the next Halloween oh, okay. movie. Unfortunately, those next Halloween movies were Halloween Resurrection. No good. Well, it's Busta Rhymes beating up Michael Myers. What's wrong with that? Woo-ha. Did he say that at all? No, I think it's just like, it's just like, it's not like trick-or-treat, motherfucker. I, I got you like, all in check, Michael Myers. I think it's just like trick-or-treat, motherfucker. Uh, like karate kicks Michael Myers out a window. Yeah, but he would totally do that. If Busta Rhymes was here, he would karate kick both of us out windows for no reason. And then Exhibit would put a window in our window. Oh, exhibit! What are you doing? He's putting a window in our window. Is there gonna make a? Are you gonna make a mystical reference after this? No, I don't have anyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I never really dug. I just kind of experienced it as it was. Mm, that's um, probably smart. That's probably smart, because even reading that, Roger Ebert gave it like, I don't know, three and a half stars, and he talked about how scary it was. Again, not really super scary, but he talked about like how innovative like the framing of some of these shots were, and like the use of perspective and um, yeah. foreground and background no. and stuff. And I was like, I, I guess, like from a production standpoint, legitimate. Like even though I love like the framing of it, I love the set, the, 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 the not set design, but I love the um, the dedication, to actually trying to make it look like fall, even though it was middle of summer. The only thing I've ever cared about is just from a technical standpoint, the score, mm. which is which is unimpeachable. Yeah, which is. You know, set off the love that I have for well, synthwave. I was the doing major reason I have yeah. a keyboard is because I want to do stuff like like bought the keyboard from you is I want to do stuff like that eventually. I was playing. I was the kids were eating lunch, and I had to go to work, so I was like preparing for this episode. So I was downloading the the clips and stuff, um, and some of the the music came on, 
And uh, we were talking about scary stuff mm. because it's Halloween and we've been dealing a lot with scary stuff in my house. And I was like, oh, guy, what do you think of this? Do you think this is scary? And they both found it scary. And then I was like, what do you, what do you think of when you like think of this? And they were, uh, my little guy was like, it sounds like when two people are going to meet and like they see each other and they're about to fight. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's like, I the, mean, that's, the music is so good. That it make like even only hearing like like just like a little bit of it without any kind of context of to what it is or what it's called or what's going on, it puts like an image in the mind of a seven year old. It's like yes, let's do this. John Carpenter is like the your is like a introduction, like that first book in piano lessons or whatever, to eventually becoming Ennio Morricone. Like everything Carpenter does is like the base level Ineo Morricone mm-hmm. which is I've always loved about that because like Ineo Morricone I'm like obsessed with obviously sure next to the golds on my workout playlist <laughs> um, like I said it's all super basic it's all super fundamental but it just drives that emotion that can then be built up upon by other film composers yeah, John yeah. Carpenter's a great com- I like a, a terrific composer like just dun 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 for they live dun mm-hmm. dun did you wear that on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing my John Carpenter Carpenter's shirt from Cinema. From uh, Cinemetal. It's an awesome shirt. Yeah. I do like my Benel shirt a little more, though. Oh, they're both... I mean, I think the idea is so fascinating and great. Yeah. Um, um, but no, it's it's such fun. And, like, that is a gigantic reason for my love of this film is that score. You know? Yeah. Like, hell, how many times did I play parts of the score from Halloween 2018. Yeah. Well, I remember you were like, this is the theme for 2000, Halloween 2018. What do you think? And I was like, good. Like, that was something like, I got here to do the podcast. You're like, listen to this. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, but I mean, John Carpenter is on one of my favorite record labels now. Sacred Bones. So he gets, he gets a pass. He gets a high five. No, I like John Carpenter. He he did direct. Actually, there's three films that for me have been the scariest films for me. That actually three films that have ever scared me: mm-hmm. Event Horizon. Um, yeah, Paul W. S. Anderson made because they cut out all the super gory parts and left you with just glimpses of a hellscape, which actually makes it scarier. Mm-hmm. The Matrix, hmm. because of the idea of reality not being real. And in the mouth of madness, hmm. where are the three films I've ever considered to be the scariest films? Hmm. I mean, two of those I get. Night and Fog is also up there, but like you can't really count. That's not really scary as much as it is just like completely and totally horrifying. Or like Come and See and things of that nature. But well, that's I, I think that's. But has a child seeing like in the mouth of madness? And the yeah, 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 yeah. And the Matrix. What's the one that doesn't make sense to you? The Matrix. The Matrix. Yeah. Well, I've always had a weird thing about reality not being real, mm-hmm. and that film like punctuated that really well for me. I just felt like it was the Keanu Reeves performance. I know is iconic at this point, but it's so fucking goofy. Yeah. That it's hard for me to take seriously, and it's weird that like the two movies that came after it are so. Um, they're just like parodies of the first movie in a lot of ways. Did you you know my opinion of the Matrix, right? 
No. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I have heard it before. We've talked about I the Matrix. I hate it. I think it's terrible. The first Matrix or like the whole thing? The first Matrix. Yeah. It's, I, I watched a movie I absolutely adored before it in Chicken Run. I watched <laughs> Chicken Run followed by Matrix, and I was so like over the moon about Chicken Run that the Matrix was just garbage. I, 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 I like the Matrix, I guess. I, well, I like, thought you were going to shit talk Chicken Run. No, my favorite, my, my favorite part of like the three Matrix movies is the scene with the architect. I love that scene, too. I mean, really, honestly, it's like the only scene that I like in all of them. But I kind of respect I the like, first one. I like. I actually like parts of Matrix Reloaded. I like the entire scene with um, the van, not the the one dude, the Merovingian, the Merovingian and Monica Bellucci and all yeah. that. Like, I like that scene. Oh, in the in like the club thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy that. And um, but the scene with the architect. Yeah. It's so like. Oh, I love the scene with the architect. Expositiony. Oh, it's no so great. Reason. But it just it works so well. It does, yeah. And then I love the only other scene I love in the Matrix is the end of Revelations or Revolutions. What is it? Matrix Revolutions. Revolutions. Revolutions? Where Carrie Ann Moss. Revelations. Rev- Revolutions. 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 Oh, okay. So it's the Matrix. I just like how the next Matrix is just the Matrix Four. <laughs> um, I love when Carrie Ann Moss crests the uh, oh, Jessica. Henwick is in that, and well, that's got a decent cast. Good job, Matrix Four. Um, when she crests like the clouds, oh, and she's I just see. kind of like, and I was like, that's cool. And then she just goes back under and was like, nah, that's not cool anymore. Yeah, the movies stink. Yeah, they do stink. They if, stink hard. If you want to yell at us about our opinion of the Matrix, or if you have suggestions for domestic horror. That's what I'm calling it. That isn't it. Cold Creek Manor. That isn't Cold Creek Manor. Domestic horror. Or the skeleton horror. key. Or the skeleton. Yeah, definitely not the skeleton. Or the skeleton. What was, what was that movie that with uh, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig? Skeleton something? Skeleton the twins. twins. Yeah. Skeleton twins you could suggest. No, like something that's like um, Gillian Flynn, but without like the the police. Without the machinations of, of the what system. The, what, about that Vince, what about domestic disturbance that Vince Vaughn No, no, no. I want like... I want like I want a horror thing, but without all the crap. Horror, but without the garbage. Like, without having to justify it with nonsense. If you gave me some time to think about it, I could probably give you a list. So, like, I think the second Mr. Mercedes book is pretty good. I think, I think Revival is... I think Revival hits a lot of the points that I want to, I'm, I'm looking for. It's doing Revival. Is it Flanagan? Flanagan was doing it, yeah. Um, That's got to make you unhappy. No, I like I, I respect Flanagan. Doctors, they just made a bunch of bad choices with Doctor Sleep again. Well, Doctor Sleep is already based on something bad. But do, but the book Doctor Sleep is. What do you in, think? You got around the Gerald's game, right? Uh, the movie? Yeah. No, I never watched it. Oh. I should watch it. Yeah, just see what you're playing. because <laughs> that should define your opinion of Mike Flint. Like, how can you like Mike Flint? Because I liked aspects of Doctor Sleep. I think it looks good. I think it feels good. But I think from a story, from a narrative perspective, I think it's garbage. Like I think, I think it's they ruined a very enjoyable, like a book that was designed just to be fun. Mm. Um, they fucking ruined it with all of their Kubrick crap, and and then they made it three death. hours. I mean, again, and I said this in my review of the movie, the beauty of Doctor Sleep the book is that nobody dies, except for bad people. No good characters die. And it's great because you just can sit back. Oh, and... right. Does he not die either? No. Yeah. He ingests that cancer and puts it in a box. 
And the then kid, he unleashes the cancer. The kid dies in the book. The kid dies, yeah. The book, yeah. That's a good character. But he's not like a main character. No. He's just like the kid that dies. Him killing off the... Bro, what the hell is like the, the father or whatever? Was yeah. A dumb, dumb move. Killing off the father, killing off that one, the other guy that works like the, the maintenance. Yeah, I was like, why, why do they do all that stuff? No, it's terrible. Well, I guess it wouldn't have much... I mean, I guess you need some sort of stakes, but just like introduce other characters that you kill off. Just make it cool! And then you can just kill off bad, like a bunch of bad guys and that's... That's it. That's why Doctor Sleep is Doctor Sleep is a stupid idea in the sense that like there's no reason that it has to be Danny Torrance, but it's also cool in the sense that it's, you know, it's just cool. It's just a cool book. Um, wait, you didn't even say how you can message us. I'm sorry. Oh, at Film Pivotal on Twitter, or you can go to pivotalfilm.com, uh, pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a message regarding any of the things we just talked about, or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the beers that we drank, a list of the movies that are on our top 100 list, which we are closing in on number one. I'm very excited for you to see my number 12. Um, I think it could go one of either way. I'm very interested to know. I'm fully prepared I to... remember s- what it is. That's what I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. fully prepared to sit down and be like, I hate that. I hated that. I hated every second of that. Because you haven't seen it yet, right? No. So I'm fully prepared for that. Um, I'm also fully prepared... Okay, say that. I'm also fully prepared for you to be like... Like, I'm mad that I didn't see that. I think it could go either way with you because I think it's about something that you jive with. Got it. Um, and that's it. That's it, Mario. So next week, we're going to record next week's episode literally right after this. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to take a piss. And then we're going to come back up and we're going to do some more movie talk. Um, but it'll be a little different because we're going to have actually a new movie to talk about beforehand. It's like a yeah. full episode. Um, but in, so until next week... Watch a movie or drink so drink much. beers. Try to stay. Try to stay as focused on the positive as you can. And Watch a porn. Do whatever you got to do to get through this fucking shit, guys. And we will talk to you not until after Tuesday has happened, which we will address in some fashion or another uh, in our next podcast. Um, but stay strong. Stay positive. Uh, stay uh, compassionate. Uh, and we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you guys.